0: Hey, Anna, it's summer, your favorite season in the entire year where it's hot as can be, but we got the summer sky that's coming around and some cool sights to see. You got any stargazing plans coming up? I think we both know the answer to that is no. The answer is yes, and you'll got... <laughs> be coming out to do some uh, stargazing. And...
1: That was like, you almost convinced me, just by really? just like, ignoring my objections.
0: That's one of my other teaching techniques. It's is...
1: really good. <laughs>
0: Is uh, ignoring the audience.
1: That's, that's beautiful. You yes. should write
0: a book. Uh, yes. It's it's in the chapter of answer the question that you thought they, want, you wanted right. to answer. Just make it your own. That's right. Uh, <laughs> well, then. this. So, is, yeah, I can't wait. This is the episode for you. I'm going to convince <laughs> you of some great stargazing to go out and see because, I mean, a lot of people are ready to get out in the world. They're ready to go on vacation. And uh, ready to get into some dark skies. So that's what our episode today is about, is trying to encourage folks to get outside, do some looking up, and uh, maybe search out some parks and places to go to look for these cool stars and constellations of summer. Okay,
1: but I need one of those little small fans that just, like... Directed just at my face. Yes. No oscillation. I just need to be constantly on me.
0: Yes. I think And then I'll
1: think about it.
0: Think about it? okay. I'll think about it. Well, and comfort is important for this. I mean, I I know. There is <laughs> there is no need to like get a giant telescope. There's mm-hmm. so much that you can see with just the naked eye. And so definitely get a nice lawn chair, kick back, get a cool drink. Okay. Fan no, on you. Warming me up to the idea. And uh, it's a good excuse to stay up late, too. So uh, I can't wait. I'm going to be telling you all about the coolest sights of summer, and maybe I'll convince you. Let's keep, keep the maybe. I'm, Emphasis on maybe. I'll, I'm open. See, this is great. Every episode, I flip back and forth between wildly optimistic and completely pessimistic. You're a chameleon. Today's a optimistic <laughs> Today, episode for Dean. Today's an upswing. Man, <laughs> who knows tomorrow? I know. What's in this water here at W at Cincinnati Public Radio? From the studios of Cincinnati Public Radio, with the best water in the world. I'm Dean Regas, and this is Looking Up.
1: And I'm Anna Heeman, and we're from the oldest public observatory in the United States, the Cincinnati Observatory. Dean's our astronomer, and I handle the operations. We share the wonders of the universe with thousands of people every year, and now we're doing the same thing to this podcast. We love talking to astronauts, scientists, authors, and other colorful characters about topics in astronomy and space science. Our guest today is host of the Infinity and Beyond series on Astronomy.com and astronomy education advocate, Abigail Bolenbach. All right, so you think that you're going to convince me that it's going to be fun to be outside, first of all, number one, outside, looking at the stars when I could be in the air conditioning. Yes. (laughs) Watching Netflix. Yes. Oh, that's terrible. I do like the outdoors.
0: No, it's hot though. No, let's 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 play this out. Let's pretend this is true, because yeah, we you know. (laughs) (laughs) know. Let's
1: pretend that you're willing to do this. That's right. (laughs) Okay,
0: Um, go. (laughs) No, so uh, yeah, this is definitely one of the better seasons to look. I mean, uh, I got to be honest with you, the spring sky is it's a little lame. I mean, there's really not much to see in the spring sky. (laughs) Playing favorites on the skies. I mean, it's, is it because it's rainy, or just because nothing to see? There's not as much cool stuff to oh, see. So, yeah. I mean, the constellations are faint and hard to identify. Mm-hmm. The deep space objects to look for with telescopes are kind of tricky. So, pretty much every year at the observatory, we have to kind of like struggle for the spring sky. We're mm-hmm. like, oh man, please, I hope the moon's up, <laughs> or please, I hope there's a planet <laughs> up. Right. Uh, but every spring, it's like kind of a struggle, uh, and this spring. Similar. We had mm. Mars hanging around, but uh, meh. So <laughs> sorry, Mars. Uh, sorry, Mars. But well it's uh, getting
1: a lot of press too because it's like we like know what it looks like now. So exactly. no one needs a telescope exactly so it's having
0: its moment. Thankfully they didn't come to us to look for uh look for the little <laughs> rover and the helicopter <laughs> oh on Mars. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? But what we do have coming up, so here's the exciting part yes. is we have Venus coming back around. So every night after dark, Venus is shining, blazing away in the west northwestern sky. Uh, Get ready
1: for the phone calls. I'm
0: ready for the UFO phone okay. calls for that.
1: It's all I think of when I think of Venus.
0: Yeah. So Venus is definitely going to be shining up uh, your your nighttime right after dark and mm. be there for a few months. And then after that sets, then the other stars will start coming out. So the big... It's weird to me. Sorry. Can
1: I just say real quick? So sorry. Yeah. I know you're on a roll here and you're excited. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. I don't understand how it sets. Like it just like I'm here and then it like goes away. Exactly. It's like, Bye.
0: Yeah, it's a okay. diva. Venus is definitely a diva up there because uh, it's the brightest of all the star-like objects. Right. But it's never very far from the sun and from our view because it's closer to the sun than us. So, okay. so when the sun sets in the west, it will follow. suit about an hour later. So the whole okay. sky is moving as as the Earth is turning. So the sun sets in the west. Venus will set in the west, and all the other stars. We'll do the same. It makes like a cameo. Exactly. It's like, I'm here, but then I'm gone. Exactly. Because it's up during the daytime. You just can't can't see it because it's so bright. But once the sun goes down below the horizon, the sky gets dark enough and bingo, there comes Venus out there uh, to make a very short appearance. And then uh, she'll set in the west and then the other stars will start popping out. Okay, continue. So uh, that's a good question though. I mean, watching how the skies move at night is kind of one of the fun things to do also. And so I know this requires you to sit in this comfy chair outside with your cold drink and your fan, but you can watch how the stars move over the course of a night. So after Venus sets, uh, mm-hmm. then the stars will start popping out. And the big thing to look for is called the Summer Triangle. The three brightest stars in the sky, which are Vega, Altair, and Deneb. And they make this great triangle shape visible anywhere in the country. Even if you live in well, the that's city. convenient. Anywhere you can see it. Like uh, you know, even the city lights in your way, light pollution, you'll hmm. still be able to see the Summer Triangle. And well,
1: theoretically you could. Well, I would look up and be like, oh, there's a bunch of stars. Well, but you can make a triangle. Okay, yeah, I'll make a triangle. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Or if it's not like the, those it's not the summer triangle. It's Anna's like, hey, summer triangle. <laughs> there's the summer triangle.
1: Here's Anna's summer hexagon. But you
0: can make up whatever you want. It's fine. Okay. Uh, <laughs>
1: Sounds great.
0: I always tell people like if you're not quite sure, just say it with confidence, and then
1: uh, <laughs> again, and then, write a book. This is great. <laughs> nuggets
0: are amazing. Tips today. Tips from Dean. Um, so those are the three great stars to look mm-hmm. for. Uh, but I think the big highlight for me is, you know, getting away from the city lights, getting away from light pollution and taking in the Milky Way because oh. late summer, the Milky Way stretches from the south to the north, really high over the sky. And just looks like this little cloudy structure that uh, and so if so many people haven't seen that, then I'd say make that your point this summer to get out and, and see this because it is amazing to see all those other stars that are out there. And Can we see it here, though? Not that's huge. the trick in a city. Yeah, you're not going to have okay. any luck. So uh, okay, that's... so not
1: go to the country.
0: Yes, not if... just
1: be outside. Yes, you go, go to the, to the country. country. Yes, this, you're not selling this. No, for me. Uh,
0: uh, you know, go to the hills of Kentucky. Go east. Go to my parents' house. <laughs> go to your parents house. <laughs> my parents' house. I know they would love it. See, yeah, yeah, that could be. Nice. Uh, they're going to have a telescope soon too. <laughs> so I mean, they, they <laughs> they're should like be, geared up. They should be good to go. Uh, <laughs> So then if you're a little more on the advanced technical side, so you're gonna have a big telescope. If you have this big and telescope, and obviously
1: I'm advanced in technical.
0: Yes. Then there's some cool deep space objects that you can look for with your telescope. Uh-huh. Uh one of them is called M8, the Lagoon Nebula. And this is something uh actually when I'm in the in the west in the, the national parks, you can mm-hmm. actually see it without a telescope. It's this little wow, little uh blob of stars in the sky, it's a little piece of the Milky Way. And that looks so cool in binoculars and a telescope. Um, you got the uh, M20, which is the Triffid Nebula, looks mm. cool, M16, M17, there's all sorts of cool stuff to Why look use for. the numbers and letters
1: when they have like Lagoon Nebula is a cool name?
0: I know. Triffid yeah, you're Nebula. right. I said Triffid Are Nebula. Are you just trying to, oh, sorry, Triffid. Are yeah. you just
1: trying to like be like more technical and advanced? No, of?
0: you're right. I should use the more common names. Well, I, I think, mean,
1: think it's like they're just pretty, some of them pretty names. Vega is a pretty name. That's right. Uh, Alistair, what was it?
0: Altair, yep, <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> You got them.
1: Like it's British. Oh. Alistair the star. Alistair the star. The, the, the star Alistair. Alistair. Um, I mean that's – those are those sound – I do like a good nebula I think they're really pretty. Yes. I mean like the colors Yes.
0: They look really good. So in telescopes, they're they're not very colorful. The, oh. the pictures make them look colorful. But uh, – I'm just sit inside and look at a book. Yes. And – now, I'm not one of the folks that like to use those computerized telescopes. Like oh, there's the yeah. ones you type in and you're, you're, like, you're like M20 and it'll like slew to it and then zoom in on it for you and everything. So I also appreciate the summer sky because if you just point your telescope to the south in the Milky Way, you're going to find something. Like oh. it's like you don't even need a book. You're just like see the Milky Way. You point your telescope at the Milky Way and just go up it. And mm-hmm. you'll see nebula, nebula, star cluster, star cluster. It's really cool. Okay. And so, sounds nice. So, uh, and uh, you know, you could go with uh friends and family, you can hook up with an astronomy club and uh get out in the country and see all this stuff. Uh so what do you think? You up for it? <sighs> I'll I'll
1: think okay. I'm I'm leaning, I'm sixty two percent interested. Okay. I was like 39% interest.
0: So uh, well, hey, that's pretty so good. I feel like we've I've advanced it. quite a bit. Yeah. Oh my God. It's not... we'll <laughs> You're the... like,
1: I did it. We'll throw...
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm amazing. Again, I'm I'm hearing what I want to hear from this conversation. <laughs> you're just so... gonna take that part and just run with it. Another tip. And I'll say it with confidence. I did it. I did I it. I changed your mind. You're gonna
1: be out there under a blanket or on a blanket or whatever. I'll be you're gonna drag me out of the observatory. Perfect. Away from the
0: observatory. Well, my job is done here. That's right.
1: We're going to wrap it up.
0: <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> Having just finished high school in 2020, Abigail Bolenbach has wasted no time getting a professional start in the world of astronomy. With an academic interest in astronomy as early as 10 years old, she's already made a name for herself in the field through her very cool social media reporting and advocacy, and work with numerous astronomy clubs, conventions, and organizations. And in 2020, she launched her bi-weekly YouTube show, Infinity and Beyond, in partnership with Astronomy Magazine. Abigail, thanks so much for joining us today. We're really excited to talk to you.
2: Thank you so much. So am I.
0: So uh, tell us about your YouTube series with Astronomy Magazine, Infinity and Beyond.
2: Okay, so I was actually doing an online kind of seminar lecture because of the pandemic. And the chief editor, David Eicher, saw me and thought, hey, this would be really cool as like an educational video series and to have her do it. And I was just amazed that that opportunity got presented to me and that I am able to do it. But it started in June of 2020. And it's it's been a year already, which is phenomenal. (laughs) It's so cool. Just time flies like that. Um. We started it as a bi-weekly series, but because the content is so in-depth and I have to research everything because I am still a student, I don't I don't know everything about the universe and there's an infinite amount of topics, hence the name Infinity and Beyond. Um, it just, it, it takes a long time to gather and absorb all that content. So we moved it to kind of whenever we are available to do it. So like um, pretty much now, like once every three weeks or once a month. Um, but we're, we're working on like three or four scripts at once, um, which is really cool. But we cover a whole huge swath of things. So when you think about it, there's an endless amount of things to learn uh, in space and about ourselves. We've got, you know, planetary science, we've got, uh, basic cosmology we've got astrophysics and we've got you know the rest of it so it's it's really cool for me at least uh to cover all of this really amazing stuff because i get to learn all of it at the same time that you guys do the people that watch it and so i kind of will research a topic that we decide on whether that be something that we you know one of the episodes we've already done like say um the big bang or uh, a rover of some form or a space travel or debunking like Star Wars or Star Trek or something like that. Uh, I'll research that and then we'll kind of go back and forth and I'll write up a script and uh, you know they'll take their red pen to it and then we'll kind of feel how we like it and if people want to listen to this portion or what they might be interested in and then I kind of like just absorb it in my brain and then <laughs> kind of freestyle with the camera and, and uh, present it and see which one sounds right. And then uh, that's pretty much, that's how it, that's how it gets done. It's kind of our production and, and and it, it turns out amazing because we've got, you know, the video editors and whatnot, and it's just, it's, it's awesome. And it's so fun.
1: That's great. So you've, you mentioned several of the different episodes that you've worked on, and prepared. Is there one that you've done so far that's kind of your favorite that you really enjoyed or that you want to share or actually
2: yeah, um quasars. Quasars and pulsars were kind of my favorite. They were uh they were my kind of I, I always gravitated to quasars, pun intended. Um <laughs> I was younger, I just, I thought black holes were so cool, and then I discovered this whole new realm of what quasars were, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is awesome, how does, how do they exist, how do they, I mean, it just, it blew my mind, and so I, I think that's probably my favorite episode so far.
1: That's great.
0: So we were mentioning some of the topics that you cover, and these are some pretty heady topics. These are, you know, there's some advanced stuff in here, especially, uh, you know, things like cosmic microwave background and Big Bang. And how do you, what's your secret to covering these topics that are, you know, pretty uh, serious science and making them fun and approachable?
2: Well, someone that I hold in very high regard uh, once told me that if you really have a sound understanding on uh, a subject or a concept and you're really intelligent, then you can explain it in a very simple way, in a, in a way that anyone can understand, whether it's a child or someone at a PhD level. If you really are intelligent and you understand you know something, then everyone should be able to get what you're talking about. And so that's kind of the approach that I take on any of the videos that I cover because for me, if I had somebody like that, it would have made, you know, my childhood just so much easier because adults have this way of, uh, especially scientists, they they have a problem with this. Um, I love them to death, but but they get into their mode and they feel like I'm better than everyone else because I have such a high IQ and I'm a rocket scientist. You can't do that. And so I'm going to make this unavailable for you. You are not going to be able to grasp this information because I'm in the special clique and you're just a little, you know, somebody, a student or a kid or somebody that's beneath me. And maybe they're not consciously thinking those things, but but that's how it comes off. And that's how it comes across almost 100% of the time. And that was pretty miserable for me because I would ask these really in-depth questions on how, you know, nuclear synthesis worked or something. And this physicist would be like, aha, I'm going to wreak havoc on your little eighth-grade brain and and go into in-depth calculus math on how this function works and and what nuclear fusion is and whatnot. And you know, I just wanted to know how it how it worked, like the big concept, the big picture. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I, you know, go really in depth on my end and really understand. What it is like the meaning, like what the the big picture is, what the little pictures are, and I try to condense it into a format where anyone should be able to kind of uh, kind of kind of understand it. So
1: that's great. I think as the as a non astronomer but interested in astronomy, I think that's really important to be able to explain some of those those more headier topics for sure. So um, maybe you can tell us a little bit. I know you've been interested in astronomy a long time, obviously since you were a child, but what kind of got you excited or interested, you know, at that young age? So it's kind of a
2: funny story. Uh, I have always been a very headstrong person, um, even whenever I was a toddler. And I think I was, uh, I was very young whenever I decided I wanted to be a paleontologist. Mm. I was very into dinosaurs, loved dinosaurs. And then as I was uh, continuing my pursuit on my, uh, (laughs) my dinosaur adventure, I found out that this asteroid hit Earth and now we know that there's uh, many different theories and hypotheses going on on the extinction of them, whether it was uh, you know ice age that killed them off or if it was the impact or whatnot. Since we weren't there, we really don't know at the end of the day. but you know researchers and scientists can get us a pretty a pretty good answer. However, as as a little kid, I thought that was so cool. It revolutionized my whole perspective because I thought this big thing killed these really big lizards. So I'm gonna invest in this really big cool rock. What else is out there? And it just opened up my paradigm. And around that same time, I got a National Geographic's magazine for kids. I was I was super nerd way back then even, and uh, I saw this picture of the 10,000 galaxies for Hubble. Uh, it, it had just taken at that time, and they included it in the magazine. And I just thought. Oh my gosh! This universe is huge. I've got to know more. And I knew as soon as I saw that picture, and after I uh, found out about the asteroid, that this is what I was going to do. I knew. I just knew as soon as I I saw that picture and understood what astronomy and astrophysics was. I was like, all right, I got to do this. This is my thing. And so that's that's kind of what introduced me into uh, the whole space world. And I've been I've been stuck there ever since. Oh. oh almost a decade
0: now. Well, and that feeling is so great. I mean, that's the kind of what happened to me is that the, the, you know, I did all these different jobs and then I did uh, astronomy and I found that in a planetarium and it just hit me like a bolt of lightning. Like this is my calling. And so great to see that that worked for you too. And you combined the two phases of kids, uh, the dinosaur phase and then the stars (laughs) phase. And now, You've come over to the right side, the stars side.
2: That's,
0: (laughs) (laughs) well, uh, um, so what's, uh, what's your formula to getting younger people involved into, into astronomy?
2: Uh, I've always had a knack with kids. I think because I am younger, I can relate to them better. And kids generally gravitate, uh, more to younger individuals because they're like, Hey, you get me, you, you seem kind of safe. And I recognize that, and I mean, I'm a little kid inside too, but whenever I see an interest, and I think this is critical, imperative for anyone to uh, take into account when they're trying to get a younger audience, is you need to like grasp what it is that fascinates them, what it is that likes their spark, and you need to coddle that. So if it's you know, if it's dinosaurs or if it's space or something, and it's just one little niche, you need to just like put a whole bunch of wood on that and let that fire burn and grow because kids will spontaneously change interests constantly. And if it's, you know, if it's one little thing, like maybe, maybe a different, you know, protein strand or something like that, maybe they're into the chemical side of it where they think like, Oh, this rock is cool. And if you're in a because I, I started a, a youth astronomy club, if like a kid was really interested in rocks, I would tell them about asteroids and meteorites and, and whatnot. And I would show them I would be like, hey, I have this cool meteorite in my bag because I collect them. And they would be like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool, because it was something that they could relate to and identify as because they're interested in that, too. But it's in this whole new realm that they could be interested in. And they just walk through that door in such an excited fashion. And I think, I think that's really critical. And that's what what I do with kids. If it's, if it's crafts, I did a whole bunch of crafts with kids. If they can, if they can do it with their hands, like if they can build stars or star mobiles with their hands, they're like, oh, wow, I did this. I'm a part of this. This is really cool. And I want to learn more now because I'm engaged in, you know, many dimensions, not just verbally, not just reading it. I'm actively doing this. And I think that's, it's something critical to, to keep in mind when you're trying to to share something with, with a kid, child.
0: Well, and now the kids can ask you questions and you can answer them in a much better way than the, uh, uh, the stuffy scientist answered <laughs> to you, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a
0: good thing to be changing. Well, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. This has been a lot of fun chatting with you and uh, your enthusiasm for the subject is infectious. That's for sure. Definitely.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Our thanks again to Abigail Bolenbach for joining us today. You can find links to her work and follow her on social media by visiting our website, wvxu.org slash looking up.
1: Well, it's been a minute since we've done a good old crank file. And I think it's time. I mean... Summer sky, people are looking at stuff or whatever. So we should go back in the old crank file and something to do with UFOs.
0: Yes. Very Your timely. Favorite topic. Another very topic you don't timely. like. Very timely. Yes. Uh, and this one is uh, an oldie but a goodie mm-hmm. uh, from right here in the Cincinnati area. The notorious Norwood, Ohio UFO <laughs> extravaganza. Not one sighting.
1: But multiple
0: sightings over the summer, fall, and winter of 1949 into 1950.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well
0: documented. I have it right here in my 11-page report. (laughs) Yeah, You didn't write that report. No, I didn't write this report (laughs) because... From 1949. uh, I was not alive in 1949, (laughs) 1950, and I would have written it better. But (laughs) but anyway, so... Yours would have been just one word. Nope. That's right. So... (laughs) It is August 19th, 1949. Okay. People are gathered in Norwood, Ohio at the Jitney Carnival at St. Peter and Paul Church, so in Norwood. So they're out there. It's the summertime, 1949. Church festival season. Church festival. There's spotlights. There are people that have those spotlights. They're kind of shining around the sky to create atmosphere and everything like that. One of the spotlights is going across the clouds and happens upon an object in the sky... That was witnessed by dozens, if not hundreds of people, and they stopped the spotlight to look at the object up in the sky, hovering in space Okay. for a decent period of time, and was documented by a bunch of people, and then they moved the light, and then it was gone. What was that object? Nobody knows. It was a UFO. It was a UFO. Unidentified something, flying object (laughs) in the sky. You know what a UFO is. No, I don't believe it. But... (laughs) So uh, no cell phone footage there. The, go, go on. The uh, the fellow that uh, was the light operator. This was one of those giant searchlights. It's uh, okay. It's listed as an eight million candle power uh, light.
1: Using uh, <laughs> candle power is well, like
0: the, it, the barometer for it, power. Exactly. <laughs> really? uh, so this is a big a whole big, ton of candles. A big searchlight okay. uh, aimed up at the sky. Saw something in the clouds. Uh, witnessed by lots of people, so the searchlight. What light, time? I'm sorry. Uh, that was an interesting one because he oh. does say in the report 8:15, and uh, an interesting time to be using a spotlight. Summer at 8:15 is not terribly dark.
1: Right.
0: I'm suspicious right away, but I'll let that slide for now. <laughs> oh, that's this nice was b- before daylight savings time existed, so it would okay. have been dusk, but not. Really a good time to start using a searchlight for effect. But anyway, I'll let that slide. So
1: critical from the jump.
0: I am. (laughs) So the searchlight operator was so moved by this that he would, every time he would go out to work a gig using his searchlight, he would scan the skies. And lo and behold, every time in the (laughs) summer, fall, and winter of 1949, 1950, he saw things. And he documented all of the objects that he saw with his searchlight up in the sky. So uh, that all sounds pretty good and um mm-hmm. our uh, my predecessor at the observatory astronomer Paul Hergett, was asked to weigh in on this and in one of the reports says that he observed he was a witness to one of the ufo's uh, are you serious that's what it exactly, says in this report i feel mean, like he's a man of science exactly. he he was a man he would definitely have like debunked it quick exactly
1: and oh, my so goodness. he is qu- <laughs> quoted oh, <no>. as saying
0: <laughs> In oh, I, I love it. Like this is this, uh, I feel like this kinship with him because like I'm like, if I was out in Norwood and they're like, look at this thing in the sky. This <laughs> the is exactly spectrum. what I would say. Okay. So, uh, Professor Hergott says it's not a fake. I believe it may be caused by the illumination of gas in the atmosphere, but we need an explanation to squash people's fears. Oh, very diplomatic. that is
1: diplomatic, but also very prudent, I feel like. Well,
0: he's not saying you're crazy. <laughs> but he's thinking. <laughs> he's, he's thinking, you know, the gas explanation. That, when you say that's gas, that means you're crazy. Yeah. That's what it means. So, yeah, yeah, I can see that. So it was a very thing. Now, uh, I've asked our historian about this, too. Mm-hmm. like, so do we know what Professor Herget really said or really thought right. about it? We can't find one thing. Uh, we can't find any information from his family that he ever talked about this. Okay. So it obviously didn't move him to a certain level of mm. confirmation. Uh, there's a couple other strange kind of re- things about the report. Uh, it was, always seems to be cloudy when his searchlight finds the UFOs. Isn't that convenient? Isn't that convenient? Yes, <laughs> that means that it's not very high up in the sky. Okay. Uh, they've also said they did measurements to estimate its size at ten thousand feet long. That's two miles. Wait, how? Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: When you said that's two miles, I was like,
0: well, I, yeah. No, I, 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 I didn't think I was, about that.
1: Well, I got in that way, but yeah, you're right. I
0: was prepared for that one. <laughs> I did have to think about that. I was like, 10,000 feet? Like, what is that? That's like two miles. Two miles. <laughs> <laughs> you're
1: right. Okay, so that would be a little much, yeah.
0: So uh, there's also one other thing that is tantalizing. It says okay. that somebody videoed this experience and that the video okay. was shared with TV stations But guess what? The video has since disappeared (gasps) and has not been seen since 1953.
1: Are we safe even talking about this? Well,
0: and you know who was the last person that had it? Channel 9. (laughs) WCPO. Where's I this like video? Look your
1: face when you said channel nine. <laughs> <laughs> like that was a big reveal. Like That's right. oh, not the channel nine.
0: <laughs> oh yes, the channel <laughs> Where nine. Where is it? CPO? WCPo That's Cincinnati. Right. What did you do with the videotape? Stop tape?
1: lying to the Who people. Who got to you? <laughs> <laughs> Who got to you, Oh, my lord.
0: So, uh, so oh, as man. you can tell, now we're
1: gonna, now we're making enemies. Stop. The report.
0: <laughs> no, I, I want to encourage them.
1: <laughs> imagine like, to to imagine
0: like... if somebody at the CPO is like, wait a second. There's this file called the, the Norwood UFO crank file. Do not open until 2021.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I'm chucking it. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, so if anybody over there at the studio finds oh this missing videotape of the Norwood UFO, Uh, let me know because I am very, very interested.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely tell Dean right away if you find this. We we need the update.
0: And I will also tell you it was just gas.
1: (laughs) It always is. Always. (laughs) Well, that's it for this episode of Looking Up. Thanks again to our guest, Abigail Bolenbach, for joining us today. You can find links to Infinity and Beyond, as well as her social media, by visiting wvxu.org slash looking up.
0: Wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find us there. If that happens to be Apple Podcasts, your rating and comments will help others find us. So thanks for helping out. And if you like what you hear, spread the word. We'd love to hear your ideas for
1: guests or topics. Find us on Facebook or Twitter, or email us at lookingup at wvxu.org. Our theme song and additional music is by Y, that's W-H-Y question mark, from their album Moline, courtesy of Joyful Noise Recordings and Terror Bird Media.
0: Looking Up is a production of Cincinnati Public Radio. We're produced, recorded, and edited by Josh Elstro. Jim Nolan provides additional web assistance. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Anna Heeman. And I'm Dean Regas. Keep looking up.